the In Conversation podcast series with author Nigel Beckles. Welcome to the podcast. Get ready for takeoff. Welcome back to my In Conversation podcast series. My guest for this episode is the CEO of Father Figure Children and Family Services, David Mullings. Greetings, David. Welcome to my podcast series. How are you? I'm well, thank you very much, Nigel. And how are you? I'm very well. Busy. So, David, what have you been up to recently? Well, Nigel, I mean, you know, the current circumstances that we're in, um, you would, I think for a lot of people, probably been a bit of a slowdown. Uh, I think it's actually had the opposite effect for me. It's, it's been business as usual, in all honesty, for me. And um, apart from, obviously, the tragic side of COVID-19 for for some family friends and things like that outside of that it's been uh, it's been an enjoyable time for me to actually just be focused and being able to refocus um on the work that i'm doing and pushing it as much as i can so just you know busy with work and keeping it keeping the pressure keeping the pedal to the floor so to speak well talking about work you began the organization father figure children what inspired you to start that organization there's a there's a there's a there's a few factors that that were involved in that i i worked for a charity a children's charity which had provided various services and i was um i was actually there with a it's a it's a bit of a tricky story but in a, in a nutshell i i got a job in a very un, unorthodox way which involved me working with fathers within children's centres, or what were then known as sure start centres, which were brought in by the Labour government. And my role was what they called a father's worker. And then uh, good old austerity measures came in, and and the role that I had um, was one of the first roles to be cut. And that left me mentally and emotionally very just like, I couldn't understand it. It didn't make sense. It didn't make sense that this important, what I felt was really important work was going to just be cut. Um, and then from another level, another part, I'd never been in a position where actually I didn't know when I was going to be earning money again, that my money was going to be stopped in four weeks' time. So I decided that this work needed to continue. And I think that came from the fact that, I mean, I came come from a two-parent family. Parents are still married 50-odd years even now. But I, I started to reflect on, on, on my growing up and my peers and looking at, some of those issues and realizing that you know a lot of my peers that had maybe not been as successful as some of the other ones some who had got involved in real serious crime or been victims to serious crime they were guys who didn't have fathers in their life or positive male role models father figures so to speak and as a result of that i felt that it was necessary that i continued in some way shape or form supporting fathers and I, and that's how father figure was born i had no idea what i would really go on to do as a as a organization but i just knew that i needed to continue doing some kind of work to support fathers so when and where did you set up the organization so what happened was in all honesty i, I you know i was I, I was made redundant and i and actually was re-employed by the charity within a couple of weeks so but the feeling that I spoke to you about, that I just mentioned, it didn't go away. And so I, in that time, I came up with this, this name, Father Figure, and asked a friend of mine to create me a logo and decided some months later that I was going to do an event for Fathers on Father's Day in 2011. 
um, had this event, had a couple of hundred people or maybe just under a couple of hundred people turn up in the local area and it got some newspaper coverage and then I got a call some months later by a, a manager of a children's centre saying, hey, you know, we've seen your interview, saw the work you did, we're looking to do some something for fathers, would you do something with us? Of course I would. Of course I would, I said, and, and you know, did some did a collaborative event, which happened actually to be for Black History Month, but for fathers. And then an opportunity came within the borough of Brent, where they were looking to do some work with fathers. And I got this call one day from someone saying that they were given my, my details and was told that I was the person to contact. And I mean, I can't probably for non-disclosure reasons, I can't probably give you all the details of how it works. But let's say for three weeks in a row, I was given a call by the same person. These calls were so substantial, I was able to leave my full-time employment because I realized that what they wanted me to be able to do for them, I was going to be, it was going to open doors as such that I would not be able to, to work in the way that I was working if I was going to be able to do that. So I took that opportunity and that meant that I was, um, you know, providing consultative services within the borough of Brent and setting up services and delivering some of those services too. So essentially I started my work in a consult in a, in a, in a quite as a consultant, but also delivering services in the borough of Brent, where I still have um, a contract doing some work still to today. So that's where I started my, my work, I would say. And how long ago was that then? What year was that? So that was in 2011. So this in, in 2020, we um, Father Figure celebrates nine years. So what type of issues does your organisation tackle? What kind of things do you deal with? So if I talk about the work I do for Brent currently, uh, what I would say is originally the work that I did for Brent or part of the earlier part of the work I did in Brent was to set up services across children's centres that would allow fathers and children to engage. And that was across what we what is known as early years. So early years is known as birth to five years old. And so what I set up would allow fathers and children a little bit actually older than the age of five, because what we recognise is sometimes we'd have fathers who'd have a two or f- uh, maybe a four or five year old who was going to a five-year-old who's going to be getting too old for for what we were delivering but then they've, they've had a, a two-year-old and, and or sorry they've had a newborn and they, essentially it's like they've renewed their contract and then we didn't want to say well actually you can come with the the newborn but you can't come with the five plus year old so that was first that was the first part of my work but now and actually not just now but the work i am still doing is i take referrals from social services or early years practitioners who may be working with families who are known to them for various reasons. And so this could be what we call parents that are maybe just at a level two. And when we say level two, explain the jargon. We Most families, all families kind of operate at what we call a level two, you just, but you might just be struggling with something. You know, you might be having a few issues here and there. But then you've got higher level child protection, children in need, which is social care level. And so I could be working with a father who has used physical chastisement to discipline his child to a father who's got a real bad relationship with the mother of his child, maybe even used abuse within that relationship to a father who's actually not, not engaging enough and not doing enough with the child. So, you know, I get a wide range of referrals from men 
And um, ultimately, I, I do one-to-one work with those guys to try and encourage them and get them to a place that is going to be of benefit to their children. Um, that's the work I'm doing in Brent. Another piece of work I do would be the court ad- my court advocacy work, where I'm supporting men who have lost contact with children to regain contact with their children through the legal process. So why did you choose to support fathers with various issues? I think what I realised when I um, started to do the work that I was doing is that there was a, a real lack of understanding for fathers and their needs and what they needed or how to support them. You know, working in children and family services is a very female-dominated field. And so with that can actually come some prejudgment and some biases. And so what I realised is that sometimes fathers were being given the right information but they weren't receiving it because of the way it was being given to them and i realized that a lot of the time they just were not being worked with in a way that was conducive and helpful and and just actually quite overlooked if we think about the word parents we don't think about fathers we should do but in general you look at any services that says it's for parents you'll go and see that it's very female dominated be it the people presenting the service or the people receiving the service And, um, you know, I just felt that it was a a great injustice to children, not to fathers. You know, my work is not about flying the flag blindly for fathers. It is really about how we um, support children and how we... And and I felt that if if we're not supporting fathers, then how can we say we're supporting children? Children didn't get here on their own. And if you're going to effective, if you're going to give a child the best opportunity in life, then it they need two parents, two positive parents supporting them, whether that relationship's broken or not. They need, you know, the way I the way I would um, explain it is, and the way I, I talk to parents about it is, when you see new trees being being planted, you don't just see that tree sitting there on its own. You never see a tree, a brand new tree that's being planted just just sitting in a bit of soil. It will have wooden stakes, normally two sometimes one, sometimes even three, strapped to that tree to make sure that tree grows straight, yeah? So, you know the saying, bend the tree when it's young so it can grow the way you want it to. And so it's very important that we have two parents. I think if we're, if we're dealing with one parent issues, if we're dealing with issues and we're only dealing with mum, I think what we're saying is that she's the creator, potentially the creator of the problem and the only person that can fix the problem. And we're letting fathers off the hook Fathers have been let off the hook by mothers and by services when we don't engage them. And we're letting children down. Never mind the effect of adults, we're letting down children by not pursuing the support and engagement of fathers. So how do you tackle a situation where a father does not want to engage with his child or children? I've got no magic wand for that. I can't make a man, you know, want to love or be involved in in his child's life. However... What I am willing to do is have the conversation and, and challenge and, and, and kind of put some things to this person. I often, I think my experience has been that often got feelings that are being carried over from the breakdown of the relationship and those are skewing the ability of this man to really concentrate on his job and role and what that should be, which is to support his child. You know, a relationship should not be dependent on on, on him being in a relationship with the mother of his child. 
you know, I kind of put it, put it like a triangle with the child at the tip of the triangle and you are appearing at the bottom, mum on the left hand or whatever side, dad on the other side. You know, there should be a constant connection from the parent to the child. Regardless of the base between mother and father, that connection, there should always be a connection from that child to both those people. And, you know, I, I would have those type of conversations. I will talk about what research tells us about children who are, are not being supported by two parents, the fact that they're likely to be more engaged in early sexual activity, drugs, alcohol, potential for their education to not be as, as good. And obviously, we know that's not a rule of thumb, all right? But the chance, the, this is research facts, it's not my opinion. Research facts is that children who are not having positive, two positive um, parents in their life are more likely to fall foul to those things. So, you know, those are the kind of conversations I'll have with a man. But essentially, you know, if he's hell-bent on not actually being a father, it might actually be the better thing that he's not involved because him being involved could actually be more destructive than the not being involved. I understand that your organisation provides workshops as part of your services. What type of issues do your workshops facilitate? I mean, the workshops are uh, the workshops are generally stuff that may be commissioned by schools or maybe a children's centre. Or also, there's, there's, there's one on positive discipline. It's a it's a it's a relatively short workshop in all honesty, a couple of hours positive discipline what we call positive discipline how you discipline children in a positive way and get the best out of them by by praising them and giving them positive attention um have one on transition from primary to secondary which i think is a, a a big you know i think you often see things maybe schools put things in place for children who are transitioning from from primary to secondary but they're not actually dealing with parents and i think there's a tendency in my experience for parents to take their foot off the pedal when children are going into secondary school because they feel like they're a lot more independent and they can kind of start to manage themselves but and, I, and, I, and i'm kind of advocating that actually this is a time for you to get a tighter grip and be more involved because we know that you know we generally don't take children to school you know we don't see parents at the school gate and and it's it's just kind of preparing parents for what is happening nowadays. You know, if you're of a, of a certain age, then you may not even have an understanding for what is going on uh, for young people. And even if you're not quite of a certain age, things are changing so fast. There's an opportunity for teach for parents, sorry, to just look at some of the issues around what they things they should be looking at, things how you should be managing communication with the school, for example, because it's not the same as primary school. Primary school, you can rock up. Can I see Miss Blah Blah? Okay, just hang on a minute. You know, at the end of the school day, you you can't do that at secondary school. And if you've not got a child who's been through secondary ed- education, then you know that's something you might that might be a bit of a shock to the system. Dealing with heads of year, head of departments. Um, you know, you're not having conversation with the head of the school you know you're gonna have two or three maybe four conversations before you even get close to the head teacher so just preparing parents for that i think there's one we do on access contact which is about similar as i mentioned the work i do with helping guys through the um, process and i should say that you know naturally given the name of the organization we 99 of my clients i should say are men but um, I have supported women as well in that process. I, you know, for me, my ethos is it's about the child. And if I feel that it's morally, that what has been presented to me is morally correct, then I, I will always support a person where I can. So I do a workshop on access. That's just to kind of maybe give men that information in a group setting as opposed to one-to-one. Through my, through my website, you can always book a free consultation and essentially a visual version of what I would speak to uh, any anyone who contacted me 
about that with that issue the um, workshop is a visual and more interactive because there may be a number of men so there may be more questions asked it's it's a it's a bigger version of that and i also actually do a bit of i actually train social workers around how they engage their engagement of fathers how they engage fathers how they can actually change their approach to get more successful results with how they engage men and fathers in their work I also understand you work with men who have a tendency to be abusive to their partners. How did you get involved mm-hmm. in that type of work? You know, I've spoken about my court work and I was doing court work. And essentially, to be, if I'm honest with you, I, I realised that I needed... I think when I was along my journey, I, really, I, I realised I needed another string in my bow. You know, there was a lot of domestic violence going on. Um, wasn't something I paid overly too much attention to, but I just realised that, you know, it was it was becoming a bit of a theme whilst I was on my journey. So I pursued just get, getting into the work because I know actually for myself, I did actually have, I had my own personal feelings towards uh, men who I was aware used domestic abuse or violence within their, their relationships. I, I had a view on that. And actually, I realised that that view could quite easily affect my my work. And I realised that actually, I I had a string missing. I I couldn't. A lot of my cases that I was being presented with had an element of abuse involved. And how was I going to really tackle that apart from my moral feelings towards that? I felt like I needed I needed some tools to be able to actually work with men. And so that was what directed me down that path of working with perpetrators. And also I think it's important because actually, say this all the time, if we are not supporting perpetrators, dominators, men who use abusive abusive behaviour, whichever one you prefer of those three or four I just said, if we are not supporting them to change their behaviour, then what are what's the point? What's the point of us only supporting victims to move on and to flee and to recognize the behavior we're not actually really doing anything i've gone up on the premise that prevention is better than cure and so if we're just constantly curing well it's a big circle what we're doing is moving this man or if it's a woman who's the perpetrator we're just moving them on to someone else for them to perpetrate their behavior again and again and create this disaster that it leaves the trail that it leaves again and again and so for me it was like well actually you know we need to try and we, not, we need to try and prevent this we need to help people to change their behavior so that was how i yeah i, I got into doing that type of work and what other interests do you have david I, i'm not sure i think i'm just one i'm just one for social justice i think i outside of the fact that i do like a bit of football i'm a football fan i don't party I'm not a party person i used to be a dj and I, I've, I've done a lot of partying in my time i've, I've knocked that on the head some time ago <laughs> and and believe it or not sold all my records which people can't believe but i um, made a great investment which and i don't regret it and in any case things have changed so quickly that actually i can have i i probably have my record collection and more sitting on a hard drive in my office so hey i think it was a great decision personally but i, I just think i'm one for social justice to be honest and, and and all things that revolve around that and yeah my children and my family are important to me of course and, you know, I've got two two older children and two younger children, 14 and 17, my young children are. So, you know, it's about getting them through their education and getting them on the right path. Yeah, I, I, I don't think I've got anything else really more exciting to talk about in terms of what else I'm into. I think I'm, I'm more recently with Father Figure, I've created COVID times have helped me to create a new a new service 
called Men Talking, the acronym being Men, uh, Mentor Talking and King. And it's, you know, it's been going strong now for over two months. We, we, bunch of men meet up online at 7.30 on a Wednesday evening. We discuss various subjects and that has grown and grown and grown and grown and grown. And it's been very powerful. I've learned a lot from it. And I think the men that are coming on are learning a lot too. But um, yeah, interests, I don't know. Outside of, I do like sports. I tell you, I do like sports. But outside of that, social justice, my family, sports, social justice, that's me. I'm, there's not much more to it. We, we, you and I could speak because I, you know, we have spoken a little bit now, and and I and I can see we have very similar in terms of t- conversations. We we could talk forever on on those kind of issues. So yeah. yeah, I think that's me. Indeed, we could. So David, what is on your bucket list? What are your plans for the future? Oh, bucket list. If we talk about personal family, I'm looking forward to my, you know, my my younger children. My my older one of my daughters, she's a teacher. One's pursuing law, and you know, has just finished university, awaiting results. But I'm no doubt she will be coasting and probably going on to law school. So apart from that, obviously my younger boys, getting them through school, university, getting them. I think it's important for me that my children are are on the path of independence and in the right place, right frame of mind, good citizens to the world good people i think that's the, that's probably the most important thing for me in terms of my work i think that i'd like to grow the work that i do i want to develop some more training around the work that i do so that i can empower and support other men to do the work that i do that so that they can support and the, the work that i do can grow and that more men can be supported within their roles i think all i'll say is iba i won't say anything more than that because it's such a small thing and it's at the moment and it's it's got to be a bit tight-lipped at the moment but all i'll say is the iba maybe one day you'll be able to give your listeners a bit more context to the iba <laughs> you'll be the man to provide the context my friend <laughs> so the iba well, yeah. Yeah, I'm happy to come. I'm happy to come back on and talk about the IBA, but that would be a challenge for me. So it's got to be at a certain place before I can speak about it and and even describe and give the full meaning to that acronym. But IBA, the IBA is on your bucket list and obviously one of your fledgling projects. So, David, how can people contact you? I'm contactable via my website, which is fatherfigure.org.uk. You can always go on there and book a whether it's a consultation or just uh, an inquiry you'll be given a, 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 a you'll be able to access my calendar i will contact you at any time that you wish to speak to me i am on social media platforms but i am getting to an age where that doesn't necessarily come to the forefront of my mind so i think on twitter i am f figure on twitter at f figure so that's f for freddy i believe that on instagram i am father figure underscore the number four children and on facebook father figure one word four children second word and i hope i've got that right i'm sure people will be able to find you if they need to find you david so david thank you very much for your time much appreciated thank you Thank you for listening. Please join me for another In Conversations podcast very soon for more interesting and entertaining discussions. Stay safe.